T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hour number three on Home and Home and happy bloody Merry Friday, everybody. Let me pause and take a sip. Mm. I've waited all week for that. Happy Bloody Mary Friday. Welcome to Home and Home, a radio.com sports original. Oh, got the salty rim, the Cajun rim there biting me. Okay, radio.com. We are brought to you by ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. A busy final hour. Jags big winners last night on Thursday night football, 20 to seven Gardner Minshew terrific two touchdowns. He is now the most accurate and highest rated passer through three starts for rookie quarterback in the Super Bowl era, 20 to seven. They win Minshew mania spreading across the country ahead in this hour. We'll talk to Rachel Axon from USA Today, a spectacular investigative piece about the NFL failing to vet both coaches and players when it comes to domestic assault. We will also lighten things up and land this plan on a very happy and inspiring note, a college game day sign at last week's Iowa-Iowa State game. Just ask for beer money. You think anybody gave it to them? Yeah, they actually did. Thousands and thousands of dollars poured into a Venmo account, and it ends up not with beer money, with tens of thousands going to a children's hospital. But we start with the story the NFL does not want us to talk about today. It, of course, is the latest distraction from the new assignee of the New England Patriots, that wide receiver, yeah, you know who we're talking about, another, another bad headline coming out about 17. Antonio Brown, as you know him. Things are going from bad to worse for A.B. in a hurry. No indication yet that the NFL or the New England Patriots are going to move to sit him down, but a lot of latest. First, Nike drops him as a Nike athlete. Uh, comments of the Boston Globe were very brief about that, simply saying he is not a Nike athlete. The big story, I think, comes from Robert Klemko of Sports Illustrated. And we're going to hear from A.B. in a minute. Uh, as he talks to the Boston media for the first time. But Robert Klemko of Sports Illustrated, if you haven't been paying attention to the whole thing, found another accuser of sexual harassment, an artist who allegedly was painting Antonio Brown was naked with the hand towel over his genitals, harassing her uh, reportedly, in her words, on multiple occasions, but she never pursued any charges, a lawsuit, or attention Robert Klemko from Sports Illustrated Founder. Well, that could have been it, but it was not. Apparently, Antonio Brown and his camp sent some text messages to this accuser, this artist, and she perceives these text messages to be threatening. That's why, and we'll put those text messages up for those of you watching on the radio.com app. But Thursday night, Lisa Banks, the lawyer for this artist, sent a letter to the NFL 
seeking an end to what she termed conduct by Brown that is, quote, intimidating and threatening to our client and in violation of the NFL personal conduct policy. Those words, again, Ross, are intimidating and threatening text messages. There they are on your screen for those of you watching. Whew, that's a lot to unpack. Let's hear from Ben Volan from the Boston Globe on the Greg Hill Show this morning on WEEI. And right out of that, Ross, I want your reaction. Listen. In my opinion, if you keep him off, if you're the Patriots, you keep him off the field Sunday, you, you, you get rid of him, you are judging somebody to have done something before he is even judged to be guilty in any kind of a court of law, right. uh, civilly or criminally. It's ridiculous, Ben. Well, I, I mean, I, I was with you until this thing came out this morning, and, and it hasn't swayed me 100%. I'm, 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 I'm a little confused right now how I feel about the whole thing because I agree with you. Guys do have rights, and if all it takes is an unsworn civil um, you know, lawsuit to get a guy taken off the field, that could really open the doors to uh, you know, uh, athletes getting extorted, and um, it, it's, it's an ugly situation, and, and he's, I think, uh, afforded due process, but at the same time, he represents the Patriots brand, and, uh, and this can't be a good look for the Patriots. Robert Kraft can't be feeling good about this. They had to release that ridiculous leak to, to Ian Rappaport that, oh, Robert Kraft would never have signed him had he had known about this beforehand. Well, to me, that doesn't matter. They're, they're still standing by him now, and it's, it's telling that they're standing by him. And I, I think you say it hasn't been proven. Well, the thing with this morning with the text messages and, and you know having one of his buddies threatened to, to, you know, investigate the woman, basically stalking. It's, it's a terrible look. And just the, I think the cascade effect um, might end, you know, the, the, it, it's starting to, it's starting to build up against the Patriots and against Antonio Brown. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm just, I find it interesting that they continue to stand by him. And I wouldn't, I, I'm not holding my breath on this one. I, I'm, I'm not entirely positive that Antonio Brown's going to be playing on Sunday right now. You're not. Hmm. Somebody no, I, I think there's a chance, even if they keep him, I think there's a chance they keep him off the field. It's, it's a bad look right now. There are a lot of, you know, threatening the, the accuser here is, is just terrible. It, it's, it's not a good look for Antonio Brown. It's hard to defend it. Um, I, 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 you know, I have my issues with some of the other things going on with the story right now. I, I thought the Sports Illustrated article, frankly, was unfair to print accusations against Antonio Brown while giving anonymity to the woman. I thought if you're going to, it's only fair that if you're going to print the accusation, the woman's got to go on the record with it. Yeah. So I, I, I do think it's, it's been kind of a, you know, a bleep storm against Antonio Brown. It's open season. He's an easy target. People are coming after him. However, this thing this morning, how do you defend it? And it's just another thing. That's a bad look for Antonio Brown. And it, it does stain the Patriots brand. And uh, I, I just I wouldn't be surprised. I'm, I'm not holding my breath yet. I'm not I'm not locking Antonio Brown into the lineup on Sunday. I think there's still a long way to go between now and then. Ben Volan on WEEI, the Greg Hill Show this morning. I would agree with him on the bad look, Ross Tucker. But are you kidding me? He's going to be on the football field. Should he? Look, I'm probably the wrong guy to talk to about this. I didn't think he should be on the field last Sunday. I thought it was a disappointing missed opportunity for the New England Patriots to have him out there after the alleged victim, you know, had come out with the lawsuit. And after we knew that she was going to talk to the NFL on Monday, you know, he still gets paid. They could have made him inactive for the game. 
until they knew more, 10 hours more from the alleged victim. What we're talking about right now is a second victim, a different accuser. And and even if you read the Sports Illustrated story, the guy is, you know, I don't like to name call. I guess there's a bunch of words I could use. He is not a good human being. And it's no longer about whether or not he's got mental health issues or whatever. You know, he went out. How stupid can you be after this story comes out to then have a group text where you are disparaging the woman and telling your buddy Eric B to investigate her? How, how dumb can you be? I mean, that... This guy, to be honest with you, he he's either he's either a really really awful person, or he's an imbecile, or he's both. Like how 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 dumb can you be to do that? And now it's you know she has the text messages. It gets published. I mean, how does he not realize that that's a terrible idea on so many levels? I don't want him on the field. I don't want him in the league. Enough is enough. How many different pending lawsuits does he have? How many different things has he done? And there are still people, based on my social media, at Ross Tucker NFL this morning, that are still defending him. Picture that. Picture being the person in life that defends Antonio Brown at this point. I I, I don't get it. I don't think I'll ever get it. I mean, what? Why would you be defending him? What is there to even defend? I understand players' rights. I understand, you know, somebody could have a civil lawsuit. This is multiple accusers now, Dave. And this is multiple emails, texts we have where he brags about it and or threatens it. I'm sorry, Dave. That's enough for me. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. That's enough for me. Get his ass off the field. My inclination is to give a player the benefit of the doubt until there is evidence. But God, is it impossible at this point to defend Antonio Brown. And again, this woman, the artist, separate from Brittany Taylor, did not seek attention, did not seek money or any type of damages or criminal charges. She was leaving this thing alone. And then Antonio Brown, Antonio Clown Brown, excuse me, goes after her with, and on these text messages, why Lisa Banks says it felt intimidating and threatening, there were pictures of this artist's children on that text messages. Uh, text messages. Imagine how frightened you are as a mother knowing a man with an entourage and tens of millions of dollars is spreading pictures of your children. I myself would call the police in a hot second. I, I don't know how this ends, but Antonio Brown got a chance to meet the New England media yesterday, took about four questions. Usually we play you a portion of a player's comments to the media, but in this case, he spoke for about a minute and said, well, about nothing. Patriots speak. Listen. Tony, is everything all right with you in the league? Are you in good standing? I'm forward to keep playing. I'm super grateful to be here uh, to play for uh, Bill Belichick. And Tom Brady, you know, I got a lot of the offense to learn and catch up. Uh, but I'm excited and grateful to be here and uh, be a part of these guys. 
How has the process your... been to kind of get used to everything as everything's going on in your life? Well, it's football, you know. I'm grateful to play football. Every time you walk in the doors here, you know, uh, be your best for the team. So every time I walk in here, I just want to make sure that I'm preparing to uh, give these guys my best. Antonio, what have you heard from the league, if anything, about your availability before? I appreciate that question. You know, uh, I'm just here to just focus on ball and uh, look forward to getting out there in the home stadium and uh, being with the team. I don't know who that dude was. Who was that guy, Ross? I, that's not a guy we've been familiar with in the recent weeks or years. No, that that that's 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 the Patriot way right there. That's kind of comical to me. That's not him. That's what he was told to say. That means nothing to me. Uh, I mean, I've been there. I know how they turn you into robots. They tell them exactly what to say. They have him answer four questions less than a minute and then he's done and then he goes out that night and or the next night and sends that text i mean pictures of the woman's children are you kidding me are are you kidding me and i'm amazed there are still just i was while we were playing the ben volan audio i was still looking through some of my um text messages and people are still defending him he hasn't been charged with any crime, is what they say. Man, that seems to me like a really low standard. That seems like a really low standard. Because you know what happens then? Is even when he is charged with a crime, they'll say, he hasn't been convicted of any crime. I mean, neither was O.J. Simpson. I mean, what are we talking about here? It's The whole thing makes me sick because... This is the focal point of what we're talking about. We're talking about a guy that doesn't even deserve to be in the league anymore. And we've been on home and home on radio.com slash home and the radio.com map for like a month now, four weeks. This guy has dominated the conversation. So I suppose on one level, I should be thanking him for giving us content and things I'm passionate about to talk about. I'm not, though. I, I don't want to talk about trash human beings. I don't want to talk about garbage like this, human garbage. Like That's not fun for me. I don't like that this is what people think NFL players are like. They're not. I want them out of the league. I want them off the field. And I think that this is a really interesting situation for the NFL. You know, this is going to be an important 48 hours for the NFL and the New England Patriots if they play this guy on Sunday, you know, it's, yeah. I'll say one last thing on this, Dave. Mm -hmm. I don't really have a rooting interest when I watch games. You know, I root for players and coaches I know and like, and probably root against those I know and don't like. I know a lot of people hate on the Patriots because of their success and because of some of the scandals they've been involved in. I don't feel that way, really. I was with Brady. I love the guy. I played there for two years. You know what, Dave? Every game that Antonio Brown suits up for the Patriots, I will be outwardly rooting against them and hoping they lose. This guy is now in the category of, I hope his team, whatever he's on, loses every game they play. So Antonio Brown has now trumped my affinity for Tom Brady at this point. I now hope the Patriots lose every game that that 
guy uh, plays for them. That guy posting a video on Instagram, Antonio B under AB, and you know who one of the first people to like it was? His quarterback, Tom Brady. So it sure appears that TB12, the Patriots organization, is standing by Tom Brady, or standing by Antonio Brown, despite all these accusations. Sounds like he will play, and despite what anyone wants to root for or against, they certainly will win this weekend a 22-point favorite, and quite frankly, I would bet on them to cover. This is the story right now. Instead of some of the great matchups across the league this weekend, domestic abuse, and we're going to get dive further into it next with Rachel Axon from USA Today. Wrote a terrific investigative piece about the, the vetting failures of the NFL when it comes to both players and coaches. We'll get to Rachel in just a second, but first, hiring can be a challenge. As Quotable co-founder Gretchen Hebner discovered, Gretchen needed to hire a game artist for her education tech company. She knew it wouldn't be easy to find someone to grow her team. That's why she went to ZipRecruiter.com. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Its technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job so you get qualified candidates fast. Gretchen posted her job on ZipRecruiter and said she was so impressed with how quickly she found qualified applicants. She used ZipRecruiter screening questions to filter her candidates so she could focus on the best ones. And that's how Gretchen found a new game artist so quickly in less than two weeks. Results like that, no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter, well, they get a quality candidate within the site within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free. Free like the radio.com app. We know you're going to tell your friends to download this website, ZipRecruiter.com. Here's the key, slash enter. ZipRecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. The smartest way to hire. Let's get back to the story the NFL probably does not want us talking about on a football Friday. Ahead of a weekend where the Ravens play the Chiefs, the Browns play the Rams. Two teams are favored by 20-plus points. No, we are talking instead about their failure to vet both coaches and players when it comes to domestic assault. A terrific investigative piece on the cover of today's USA Today. You see it here if you are watching as well as listening on the Radio.com app. Written by Rachel Axon from USA Today. Rachel, great to have you on. It's Dave Briggs. It's Ross Tucker. Thanks for having me, guys. Terrific piece. Uh, really well sourced. Lots of work went into this piece. And we'll get to the coaching aspect, which is the central focus, in just one second. But given all this news with Antonio Brown, mm -hmm. all the allegations that have surfaced, are they doing enough to vet the players before we get into the the mistakes with the coaches? Well, I think that's certainly a fair question across any employee in the NFL. Certainly in the last five years since the Ray Rice case, uh, they have said that they're taking this more seriously. Uh, certainly you tend to see that, uh, especially with the higher draft picks. Uh, you know, for instance, the Buccaneers we have featured in our story when they drafted Jameis Winston with the first overall pick, touted very much uh, the work that went into vetting him before they drafted him. But I think that there's a general question about, excuse me, just their willingness to know broadly 
Um, I don't know what vetting the Patriots did or did not do in the Antonio Brown case, but when you see these things come up that are not uh, sort of uh, new misconduct that's alleged, it does raise questions about uh, how, how thoroughly they're looking into those backgrounds. Yeah, and just to follow up on that, Rachel, before we get into the coaches, I, I guess I'm curious with the latest from Antonio Brown last night and the intimidating text messages to one of the now two alleged victims, including pictures of the alleged victim's children and certainly an intimidating uh, line of commenting in that text. It, does this feel to you like like a seminal moment for the NFL? They did not suspend Tyreek Hill at all, which really surprised me. Now we have not one, but two alleged victims uh, for Antonio Brown. And we have, as recently as yesterday, or sometime this week at least, these intimidating text messages. And here we are 48 hours before he is set to take the field yet again. I think the question is what the league does with this information. Uh, certainly, I've, I've seen the text messages. That should be something that uh, they should be trying to get themselves, be in touch with that person. Um, I think if that effort is lacking, then perhaps you know the the criticism is fair. Um, but they they're certainly unnoticed uh, that they should be seeking this information. I don't know if it will be a seminal moment. Obviously, you know our story focused on Ray Rice case onward. Um, and certainly I think when people saw that elevator video, um, it was powerful enough on its own that it had an impact. I think we'll have to wait and see uh, how this case pans out to see if it has the same impact. Sure doesn't feel like enough is being done. The uh, National Coalition Against Violent Athletes told you the coaches should have the same background checks that they mandate the players have because the violent policy affects them in the same way. Talk about some of your research and the red flags that did pop up in terms of how the coaches were vetted and talk about some of the examples, including the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Sure. So I'm sure most NFL fans are familiar with um, after the Detroit Lions hired Matt Patricia last year, uh, you know, reporting had revealed that there was a pretty easy to find um, indictment that he had faced for a sexual assault when he was a college player. Uh, the Lions said that did not come up in their screening. And so it just uh, makes you question uh, how thorough that vetting was. That's a public record um, that story started with a simple Nexus search. Nexus is a database where you could put my name, your name, uh, anyone to, um, you know, see past addresses, contact information, and that also includes um, criminal history. Uh, so what we did was look at uh, individuals who were uh, listed on the web pages for the NFL teams last season. That was more than, um, <clears throat> excuse me, 700 people. And what we found was a handful where there were red flags that uh, we don't know what the teams knew about them. But the question was, if they were aware, how do they assess it before they make a hiring decision? How does that weigh in? Uh, among those we found were two coaches for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that um, we know that the Bucks, even if they knew about the public records, did not pursue further information that you would expect them to have done. Um, so Skylar Fulton was a receivers coach for the Bucks last season. He has a documented history, including an arrest for domestic violence. That charge was later dropped after he completed a pretrial diversion program. But the documents in that case suggest um, physical violence toward one woman, 
threats toward that woman uh, and her mother that he he would kill himself or kill them both. Uh, and then a, a third woman who, uh, you know, gave a witness statement in that case who, um, you know, said those types of threats were common during the time that she had known him. And she herself sought um, an order of protection against him. That behavior did not stop following that 2010 incident, it seems. Uh, there are public records uh, from 2016 when he was a coach at Citrus College, a junior college in California, where um, a friend of another woman had warned administrators there about violent and threatening behavior uh, that she alleged Skylar Fulton had committed. That email uh, you know, arrived at Citrus College three months before the Bucks uh, ended up hiring full him full-time first as an offensive assistant and then uh, later promoted him to receivers coach. We do not have any indication that the Bucks did due diligence on that. They did not call the co coach at Citrus College, even for a basic reference check on him. Uh, two of the women who are named in public records said they never heard from the Bucks or the NFL. So, um, you know, we have a quote in the story that the Tampa Bay Times had gotten in 2016. Um, Brian Glazer was asked about, I believe, the Jameis Winston Uber case, uh, Uber driver case, and touted, you know, his team doing the best due diligence, you know, that they could, and they take this issue seriously. But um, it does not seem to be the case, at least in these examples that we found. Rachel, I'm not overly familiar, so I guess my question would be, what what do other industries do? What what do other employers do? That's, that's you know, the NFL is like a private employer, like any private employer, so criminal background checks, I think, are fairly common. I think the question that we have is not the NFL versus other private uh, enterprises, the NFL versus the standards that are expected of the league. I think we saw in the Ray Rice case, um, there's a pretty clear understanding because of the role that the NFL has in our society that there's a responsibility. That's something Roger Goodell acknowledged um, in that press conference after the Ray Rice um, video came out. I think the other thing would be that the NFL um, has sort of taken this on, you know, in the past five years since the Ray Rice case said, you know, we will do more. Uh, we will take this issue seriously. We have a role to play, not like they alone are going to, um, address domestic violence by themselves, but that they have a responsibility. Um, and so it seems like maybe they're not living up to that based on our reporting. You mentioned what the Bucks responded to you. Was there an NFL response to this story? So the NFL, when we tried to talk to them about it, um, Goodell would not be interviewed. And uh, Brian McCarthy, the league spokesman, uh, largely put the vetting of coaches on the teams. Um, you know, the NFL does play a role in vetting draft prospects. A couple of years ago, they passed a, or created a rule where if you have conviction for certain offenses and they typically involve violence, that um, you would not be eligible to participate in the combine. So players who uh, might take part in that uh, have a criminal background check done, at least by the league. But when we asked the league, you know, do you have a policy of, you know, teams are required to do X, Y, and Z, um, or even a guidance of best practices, like it would be good if you would search for these records or consider these things. Um, they do not, and they said it's it's solely the responsibility of the clubs. Wow. Uh, that's interesting, the, the part you said, Rachel, about the importance of society. And I guess my question would be, how much do you think people care about the assistant coaches? 
In other words, like I, I played, I, I get it. Jameis Winston, Antonio Brown, I get it. I, I would imagine that the time that they put into the hiring practice is probably somewhat related to how much scrutiny they think they'll get as a result. I'm not saying that's right. That's my guess. You did a lot more research than I did. But ultimately, how much do you think people really care about the assistant coaches and their backgrounds as opposed to the players? Well, I think that's a contrast that's kind of part of the tension of the story. Obviously, the players are the most visible uh, employees in your in your organization, right? That's who's out there on the field on Sundays. But I would say the coaches are closely behind that. They're members of the community and the advocates and experts that we talk to, especially on domestic violence, um, point to, you know, coaches, uh, it's not quite the same as college football where you get the uh, we're molding young men type thing, but they are role models or leaders in their organization, especially to young players. Um, and they're the, the, the take of domestic violence advocates, including, you know, one who advises the league is should be any employee where you're being quite thorough, right? Whether it's uh, your first round draft pick or someone working in your tickets, ticket office and, you know, everywhere in between. So um, I don't obviously put fans are going to pay much more attention when, you know, Antonio Brown um, <laughs> is in the news than right. his receiver coach. But if the NFL is really taking this seriously, the experts told us that sort of thoroughness should go throughout the organization. Can't help but think if the NFL was really taking this seriously, Antonio Brown probably would not have been signed by the Patriots. Not sure Tyreek Hill would have just kind of cruised through his situation where he threatened his wife, where, you know, we could go on and probably spend the next 30 minutes naming people. But uh, you talk to groups like the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence, and the NFL estimates 45% of their fan base, they estimate that, is women today. How do those groups feel overall about the the way the league is handling the issue? I think that there's an acknowledgement that, yes, the league has made progress. You, know, you mentioned the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence, and um, I talked to their exec, uh, their president and CEO, Ruth Glenn, and you know, she said, yes, they are doing things, and it is getting better. Rita Smith, who advises the NFL, said the, the same thing. Um, I think culturally where we are is, is uh, you know, the NFL is part of a culture. And so uh, our awareness of domestic violence, our understanding of the dynamics of it um, certainly is not where these advocates would hope it would be. I think that there are others who think that NFL could be doing more to push that forward than they are doing. Indeed. Well, Rachel Axon, terrific reporting, wonderful story. Follow her. Well, not a wonderful, uh, a feel-good story, but terrific reporting is what I'm saying here. Follow her at Rachel Axon, A-X-O-N. Read that piece on USA Today this morning. Appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. Terrific reporting. Also, Major League Baseball has a bit of an issue when it comes to domestic abuse. Here's the cover of the New York Post. Yank abuse probe in the back page of the Daily News. Yankee shocker. What happened? Well, arguably the best pitcher for the most high-profile organization in baseball had a domestic incident. Not entirely clear what it was. Still learning more. Domingo Herman. Jeff Passan uh, has reported from ESPN he has an administrative leave and could could miss the entire postseason as they investigate this domestic incident. 
that would be huge for this Yankees team, who is pitching depleted, plenty of bats, not a lot of arms, big story developing, so Major League Baseball on notice as well. Still to come here on Home and Home, we're going to talk to Carson King, who held up a sign on college game day at the Iowa-Iowa State game, asking for beer money. Well, it ended up with tens of thousands of dollars going to a children's hospital. There you see it if you're watching on the radio.com app. There's his Venmo address, so keep the money coming because it's going to kids at a children's hospital. We will talk to Carson about how much money they've raised and how this idea got started when we come back after a short break. If you have a mustache, you're one step ahead of the average dude. That's what Jags owner Shahid Khan said about his stash and about his quarterback stash. Minshew mania spreading across Florida and across the country. Jags beat the Titans on Thursday night football 20-7. to Minshew two touchdowns. He's completed almost 74% of his passes in a spectacular start to his NFL career. Dude stretches in nothing but a jockstrap and sometimes nothing but nothing in the locker room. But the story, other than Minshew last night, was the penalties. Because they have been atrocious this NFL season. And when Tom Brady tweets, people listen. TB12 tweeting last night, too many penalties, just let us play. And then later following up with, I'm turning off this game. I can't watch these ridiculous penalties anymore. Ross Tucker, how big a problem are the penalties, and should Tom Brady be the one to speak out? Most of those penalties are to protect quarterbacks and guys specifically like him. It's a major problem, and last night most of the penalties were not to protect quarterbacks. There was one, as you sip your Bloody Mary Friday, there was one that was not a good call on a roughing the passer. I didn't agree with it. But other than that, it was a lot of holding and several questionable holds. I mean, at one point, I think midway through the early in the second quarter day, there were seven holding penalties already. And I think three or four were legit, but three weren't. And so when you combine the legit with the ones that aren't, it's a tough watch. And I think the NFL realizes that when the most well-known player, best player, says he can't watch the game, that is such a bad look. For the NFL. It's something they need to get fixed and corrected ASAP. Nobody wants more flags. Let them play. When in doubt, don't throw the flag. If it's clear and obvious, throw it. But some of these were highly questionable. It was a tough watch, Dave. It really was. I hate, I loathe, and I rail against the stupid roughing the passer calls, including the one that cost my Broncos a game against Bradley Chubb. But offensive holding? Why offensive holding? Whose idea was that? Penalties are up 16%, and it's because of offensive holding is up more than 60% this NFL season. Clearly something the NFL needs to get a grip on. Just wonder if Tom Brady is the right messenger because – Raekwon McMillan told the Miami Herald that he was told by v Bill Vinovich's officiating crew, stay off Tom after a legal hit. So maybe Tom Brady is a, 
not the perfect messenger for this, but when he speaks, the NFL should listen. This is the last thing, other than Antonio Brown, that the league wants us talking about. They've got to get a handle on it. Troy Aikman, who called the game, caused the, calls the penalties in the game this year nauseating and maddening from his perspective. I'm pretty sure one of the faces and voices of the NFL this season ought to get your attention too. Lastly, your biggest takeaway from, aside from the penalties, mine was being how many times Marcus Mariota was sacked, which was... Nine times. Nine times? How many? Nine times. Nine? Nine times. Nine times. Nine Principal times. Rooney, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, helping us sum that up. What was your biggest takeaway from the game action yesterday? Oh, I, I, other than the penalties, I would start with yeah, Minshew yeah. Mania. Uh, mm-hmm. lo- love that guy. He was accurate. He was flashing the – he was dripping swag. He's just fun to watch. I mean – it, it, it would be hard for you to watch that game last night if I told you one of those quarterbacks was playing his second start ever in the NFL and the other one was a fifth-year starter. You would have thought it was the opposite. You would have thought Minshew was in his fifth year as a starter and Mariota was in his second game. Mariota, it's, it's a shame because he's a great kid. I was rooting for him. He's not hes not a good quarterback. He's certainly not worth one of these $30 million plus per year contracts at all. And then for Minshew, he was excellent. And he's a textbook example in my mind, Dave, of how hard quarterback evaluation must be. Because he didn't go until the sixth round, despite the fact that he is clearly at worst, I would say, a backup, high-end backup in the NFL, and maybe more than that, he was really impressive last night. The only other thing that jumped out to me was just Leonard Fournette. I mean, on his first 14 carries, he had negative three yards. It's a good thing his last carry went for 69. Otherwise, he would have had one of the worst stat lines I've ever seen. Historic. And that's a guy trying to earn a contract. He looks cooked. I don't think Marcus Mariota played as bad as you do. Nine sacks. I mentioned that. Uh, two passes I think he'd want back when they were down 14-zip in the third quarter. Seemed like passes pretty sure I could have made. Easy touchdowns, wide open wide receivers in the end zone. It's not going to get a lot better under Ryan Tannehill, who's a solid backup. But I don't see him rallying the troops per se. But yeah, you're right about Leonard Fournette. That dude looks like he has nothing in the tank. And now you find the Titans hoping that they can somehow finish 9-7 and seven for, I think it would be a, a fourth straight year. They have got issues to solve. I'm also not certain Jalen Ramsey is gone from Jacksonville. I, I can't help but wonder, if you're Shahid Khan, do you say, holy cow, we've got a real defense here. We've got a contender defensively, an exciting young quarterback. Why not throw the money at this guy and try to make him happy if you're content with Doug Marone? I know a lot of teams are throwing offers. It sounds like everybody's offering up a first-round pick, but it will be interesting today. We hear today's the deadline. They would like to trade their all-world corner, Jalen Ramsey. All right, one of the greatest stories uh, this football season comes to us from college football. And College Game Day has become an institution for the folks at ESPN, not just because of the chemistry and the stories and the atmosphere, but in particular, the signs. The signs have what really have embodied this show 
over the last several years. And the sign you see, if you are watching us on radio.com and not just listening, was made up by Carson King, who's a genius. He just wanted some beer money, man. Give me some beer money. I should have thought of that in college because I needed some beer money. He got a lot more than that. His Venmo name is up there. It's uh, Carson-King-25. We encourage you to keep the money pouring in. Carson King joining us here on Home and Home. Carson, it's Dave Briggs. It's Ross Tucker. How you doing? I'm great. How are you? Fantastic. Do you have the sign? Tell us about how you got the idea to make a sign asking for beer money and your reaction when you actually saw money coming into that account. Yeah, so I've got the sign. I mean, I'm sure you don't know if you can see it or not, but got it, the original one. Um, so I didn't think I'd be on TV whatsoever. Uh, I thought it was a <laughs> joke, to be honest, was the very first thing we thought when, we, when I made this. Um, I thought best case scenario, someone like, you know, in the crowd might see it and send me a couple bucks for some bush lattes. Um, and then it turned out, you know, we got on TV quite a bit and people saw it, thought it was cool and started sending money. Bush lattes. I already love you, dude. That was amazing. Bush. That I've was never strong. Heard that before. Bush lattes. That's awesome. All right. So how early did you have to get there? to get a spot where you were on TV like that? Like, give me the logistics, because it looked like there was a million kids there. So, uh, let's see, I probably woke up about 3 a.m. to head out. Um, my friends and I got there at about 5.30 a.m., uh, game day pit, uh, and it was actually completely full and like by the main stage. We didn't get anywhere near the main stage. Uh, we looked over and saw there's this little circle stage, like kind of in the middle of nowhere. We're like, they might do an interview here. So we ran over there and stood by it, and, you know, sure enough, here we are. <laughs> okay, so you put your Venmo address on there. And at what point did you realize, oh, my God, what was your reaction? At what point did you realize this is actually happening? So uh, it was probably about a half hour after uh, we first got off. Um, I was beside – I was so in that first shot, I was right behind Herb Street. And uh, – <laughs> About 30 minutes after that, my friend Tyler was like, hey, um, who keeps texting you? Your phone's blowing up. That's nuts. And then I uh, looked down, and it was uh, Venmo. And I had over $400 in uh, donations for the, for the beer. So it's like, wow, that's crazy. That's okay, amazing. So All right. So then, so then let's transition. At what point – like – how did you get that much money? Like, when did it start getting picked up? I have to imagine that some people posted online, and then that's how it really took off. I can't imagine you got that much just from TV, right? So, 400 yeah, that was all straight from TV. Um, once I hit, like, $600, I, uh, I figured I could probably do something a little bit better than just buying Bushlight, as fantastic as it is. I might be able to do something a little bit better with, uh, with the money. So, I... <laughs> called my parents actually and uh, we talked about what kind of what I wanted to do what my intentions were which was anything aside from uh, enough money to cover the cost of one case of bush light one bushel I sent to the University of Iowa Stead Family Children's Hospital so last I checked I think a case of bush is about 12 bucks um, how much have you raised we'll get to the matching in a moment how much have you now raised what's in that Venmo account 
So as of a few minutes ago, we were over uh, $165,000. <laughs> Good God. Okay, and so now, correct me if I'm wrong, you have been told that Venmo and Bush Beer will match that account. Is that true? And how much are we talking as a grand total? So uh, we've, yeah, Venmo and Bush reached out saying they would match whatever I send in by the end of the month because that's what I'm going to cut off my end here. Um, so, yeah, if so if I got $100,000 on there, obviously it'd be $300,000. So we're well over that. So, you know, you guys are smart. You can math. So, okay, uh, how old are you, Carson? I'm 24. What, 24, what are you, are you still, are you undergrad, grad, what are you majoring in? I'm not even in school right now. I took, uh, after two years, I took some time off, transferred out my credits to go work full time. Um, I was majoring in psychology, though. God, okay, so what do you do for a living? <laughs> so, I'm on uh, the rapid response team at Prairie Meadows Casino here in Altoona, Iowa. Um, it's uh, an armed security position, basically. So that's what I kind of do right now. All right. So, so this a- is why I'm asking. Are you are you sure you don't want to keep more of that money, dude? I mean, I, I think what you're doing is a nice thing. Um, but, man, I mean, you could you could pocket a little bit. Like, you're only keeping $12 for a case of Bush lattes. That's it? Yeah, twelve to sixteen depends on what the the market rate bush goes for here in the <laughs> Midwest. But yeah, I mean the rest of it's all for the kids. Okay, so a sign asking for beer money, where we stand here on Friday at ten fifty two Eastern Time, has raised more than three hundred thousand dollars. I don't know if that is the power of college game day, the faith in humanity. What does this tell you about about the show and about this country and and just the times in which we live. It's 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 incredible. I mean, clearly something this small and insignificant can get huge with just a couple people helping out. Um, I've had people donate twenty five cents up to uh, my work, Prairie Meadows. They're donating me ten thousand dollars for this. Um, so <laughs> it it's anything people are spending. Uh, I think it's just cool that people can take something this cool and this you know. This awesome and spread it around and you know get really get behind it and help out in any way they can. I just you know it gives you it gives you faith in humanity again. I guess. Was so that your phone, phone buzzing? <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, was it Venmo? Probably. <laughs> this is absurd. so weird. Here's my question though. What like it wasn't all from TV. So like, how did it get? How did it get to the next level? Like, do you know who posted online or something that really had it take off? Yeah, my uh, my family and I posted on Facebook and Twitter. I think I posted the only one on Twitter, other than my, my sister might have done something for it. Um, my brother and my mom, they shared on Facebook a lot. And then uh, it really just started snowballing and snowballing. And, uh, yeah, people just took it and ran with it and went crazy. Okay, well, and so... You got some money for you got some money from the TV on game day, and then you posted on social, "Hey, I got this much money from game day. Anything I donate, I'm giving to charity." And then that went viral and went crazy. It was really like you posting that the money would go to charity, right? Because it wasn't like 
my point is, it wasn't like you got up to sixty grand to people just trying to give you bush latte money. <laughs> it didn't really take off until you said it's for charity. <laughs> yeah, well, so Carson, I work at CNN, and and we have run this story both online and on television. So I think that probably helped you get a little attention. Uh, before we go, what have you heard? From and now, I think it was the Iowa Stead Children's Hospital. What has your communication with them been like? What are you hearing from them? They're incredibly grateful. Um, they're excited to work with me, however I can, however they can, to you know really make this kind of a cool little presentation. Um, we do want to kind of do it in person uh, at the hospital, so I can get a tour of the hospital. Uh, so my my brother, and my nephew, they're huge Hawkeye fans. I'm obviously a huge Iowa State fan, uh, but. My nephew, his middle name is actually after Carver Hawkeye Arena. It's Carver. Um, so he's a huge fan of the Wave. I'm really excited to be able to show them exactly what it's about and get him to meet some of the kids, see, you know, see why we're doing all this in general. That's kind of that's kind of my favorite part about this whole thing. All right, Carson, last one. Uh, have you ever tried an IPA? I have. I have. And do you do you prefer Bush Light? Oh, absolutely, man. It's You can't beat it. Nectar of the God. Bush Light. Oh, my God. Wait, wait, Talk wait. So you're not going to get a nice years, beer? Dude. Talk to me in 10 years, bro. <laughs> no, we're, we're Bush Light all the way. You have you have 100 grand in that account, and you're not going to at least make it a nice fat tire, a nice, uh, I don't know, some solid amber ale, something. I mean, you know, I'd probably try some other ones, but uh, <laughs> no, I'll tell you why you can't, because Bush is the folks who, in addition to Venmo, who are matching uh, with $100,000. It's a terrific story. Follow Carson at Carson King 2 on Twitter and donate to him. You've seen the sign, Carson King. King, uh, w- what a terrific effort. More than $300,000 for Iowa State Children's Hospital. We really appreciate the effort and you join us here on a Friday here on Home and Home. Yeah, absolutely. It's my pleasure, guys. That is outstanding. That just made my week, Tucker. Uh, I mean, Bush Lattes in itself is outstanding, but $300,000 because of a sign on game day asking for beer money, man. So it's obviously very cool that that many people donated once they heard the money was going to charity who I would like to talk with. I would like to talk with the people that literally donated him the money while they were watching TV just for beer. Like who's the person sitting there. That's like, you know what? I'm knowing this Carson dude money for Bush light. Like, we all know it's great to give the charity, and I think it's wonderful what he's doing, and maybe I'll donate later so his, his phone can keep buzzing. But the people I want to talk to are the people that were like, you know what, I'm giving this guy 100 bucks for Bush Light. That's a great sign. Like, who are those people? Because they have a lot of disposable income, and I like beer too, okay? Forget the charity right. people. I want the people that just give people beer money because I like beer. <laughs> Ross, I I am so happy you pointed that out because I can't imagine, and I I love Carson King now, but I can't imagine even giving anybody five bucks because they need beer money. I mean that is spectacular that he was on his he was on the course towards more than a thousand dollars just for asking for beer money, man. I mean 
it makes me wonder how much we could raise if we just make some silly sign, man. Uh, yeah, you know what? I, I think it's Iowa, Iowa State. It's a college kid. It was the sign was right where it had to be. And I'm sure people my guess is it's people that are like guys in their 30s or something that remember what it was like being in college. They got a good job now. They're making dough and they're like, that's awesome. I love that dude. He wants money for Bush Light. Here's 20 bucks, bro. You know what I mean? Like, I love those people. The people that gave him the money just for the beer. Those are my people. I love those people. Yeah, I'm going to make up a need money for Bloody Mary sign and see if I can raise like 50 cents. Uh, Ross Tucker, before we go, I want your message. You gave a big speech yesterday. I want to hear how Ross Tucker sells himself when he gives a speech. Because I imagine with those pipes, you are an outstanding speaker. How do you how do you sell the Ross Tucker message? Uh, well, it's the four P's. It is okay. passion, priorities, preparation, and performance. It starts with identifying your passion. Then you must prioritize your time around that passion. Then it's all about preparation. The separation, Dave Briggs, is in the preparation. I got Ray Lewis and Tom Brady stories. And if you do the first three, performance is fun. You get to wear a hoodie on the show and just talk about okay. sports and talk to a 24-year-old who loves bush lattes. Love it. <laughs> Four Ps. Are you going to write a book? Because I, I would buy that. That sounds inspiring. No, but you can write it for me. <laughs> okay, will do. This has been a real pleasure. Cheers to you, Ross Tucker. Ravens, Cheers. Chiefs. Browns, Rams, we got a lot for you on Monday. Enjoy the weekend, everybody. Thanks for being here on a great week here on Home and Home. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.